Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Well, praise the Lord. Are you thankful for Jesus? Well, if you are, lift up a hand clap of praise for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you really, really love Him. Yes, absolutely. What a blessing it is to have you here today. Wow, you've made my day. I'm glad to see I'm. I, mean, I guess it's just Sunday mornings where I'm surrounded by this many beautiful people. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. I'm not trying to butter you up. I'm thankful for you. And you are beautiful because Christ has redeemed you. Amen? You're made in the image of God. How many has got their Bible today? I hope you do. It will change your life if you just let it into your heart and believe it by faith. Amen? We're going to make a confession. If you're visiting with us today, we do this every Sunday. My daughter would say every day. We do this every day. We do this every Sunday. We're going to make a confession by faith of what the Word of God is and will continue to do in our life. We say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. Oh, if you believe it, shout amen. If you believe it, say, poor devil. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Oh, I'm so thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share with you today, you can see the title on the back, Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. We live in a day and age, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, ah, the world ain't too in, doing too good. Yeah, people laughing, you're right, that's an understatement, isn't it? A little bit of craziness out in the world. Yeah. A lot of folks not knowing where they're going, what they're doing. And I don't just mean like, you know, physically, like your employees that you work with or coworkers. Does he know where he's going, what he's doing? You know. But spiritually, emotionally, mentally, it is apparent and it's easily to be seen. And, and to say that it's not would just not be true. But you can see there is, in our nation, Satan is warring for the hearts of people. He is attacking the identity that is instilled into every human being, which is that they're created in the image of God. Though the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, there are sons of disobedience, and then there are children of God. Thank God when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you go from being a son of disobedience with the nature of wrath to a son or a daughter of God with the nature of God. Aren't you thankful for that? And so we can see that this world is in desperate need of the touch of God. And how will he touch the earth? Through his church. Through his body. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus Christ, he's the head of the church, and that you and I, believers, we are the body of the church. And so the way that the Lord operates and ministers in the earth always has been is through people that have faith in Him. You can go through just all through Scripture. You know, think about Moses. God split the Red Sea, but it was after Moses lifted that rod and he's looking at the water. After he, by faith, lifted up. You think it's just a stick, but if God anoints it, it'll split a sea. But there had to be a lifting up of the rod. And in any scenario you see all through history, and it has not 
changed. The ministry of the Holy Spirit that we see in the Bible has not changed. It has not changed. It is not something that has passed away. It is not something that has ceased. There's actually a theological term called cessationism. And I'm not here to beat up on anybody. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want them to pray for me and I pray for them. You're praying for me, amen? I'm praying for you. Lord knows I'm praying for you. Oh, glory, I'm praying for you. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I mean, I am praying for you, but you probably need to pray for me more. I need to pray for you. And there are some folks that they'll call on the name of Christ, but they'll say, you know, about everything we're going to look at today, nah, that's all done with. In fact, unfortunately, you missed the early bird special, but you could have paid 300 some odd dollars to go to a conference to have many ministers tell you why the Holy Spirit no longer operates like he did in the Bible. When I first saw that advertising, I thought to myself, wow, I didn't know it cost that much to be filled with doubt. But doubt actually costs much more than $300. Doubt will rob you of everything you have and even your eternal life with Christ. Don't be a doubter, be a believer, amen? And so what I want you to see today is what God has promised for you. At the point that the Word of God becomes God's Word to you, that's when the power of God's manifested in your life. But as long as it's just something, oh, it's good, wonderful, that's great, oh, yeah, and then a good thing, oh, yeah, we'll throw it up on a, on a social media post or have it on the calendar. But at the point that it hits your heart and say, this is God speaking to me, and I'm going to live or die by this truth, I'm all in, that's when things change. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, being assembled together with them, he, the Lord Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Someone say, the promise of the Father. Now, notice what Jesus says. Which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and into the end of the earth. The necessity of waiting here was so that the disciples, and it wasn't just at this point the original 11. Judas, of course, portraying Christ, and he commits suicide. He, he kills himself, and so they eventually they replace him in the next few verses. But there's over 500, roughly 500. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that there's about 500 individuals that saw Jesus ascend to heaven. If we just go real briefly through the timeline, Christ Jesus, he's born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. We see him born. Next time we see him, he's about 12 years old, and he's in the temple, and he's arguing or rather discussing and teaching and learning the scriptures to the point that where all the Pharisees and scribes and rulers of the law that have great wisdom and understanding of the word, they are, they're marveling at this young boy who knows the word of God. How many wants our children to know the word of God to the point it makes people marvel? Amen. That's my prayer as a father. And then the next thing you see, he goes into ministry around 30 years old. And he's ministering for roughly about three, three and a half years. And he's preaching the kingdom of God, which is repentance. And he's bringing in the New Testament church, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven into the earth. And he is displaying, he is the son of God. And he is showing and revealing a way of living when you're connected to the Father. Jesus said in John chapter 5, Pastor David Jenkins mentioned it, he never said anything he didn't hear his Father say. And he only did what he saw his Father do. That's called connection, that's called union, that's called relationship. And he had perfect relationship with the Father. 
And so because of that, there is a flow of power that displays that he's God, but also showing a way of new life, the life he had come to give to you and me. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's casting out devils. He's cleansing lepers. He's preaching boldly repentance. He's freely giving as he has freely received. And even the disciples, not just 12, but at one time 70, he anoints them to go do those things. And for a period, they're able to do those things under that anointing that was dispersed to them at that point in time. Then he dies on the cross willingly for our sins. He's buried in the ground for three days. And three days later, he's resurrected. And for about 40 days, he is shown to be alive and walking the earth. And he's talking to the disciples many different times. He's got a glorified body because when he meets the disciples, he doesn't use the door. You don't need a door with a glorified body. He goes through the wall. At that point, some people say, oh, I just want to see Jesus. Imagine if he walked through the wall. You might think, oh, Lord, oh, that was answered to prayer, but that's kind of scary. He came right through the wall with that glorified body. And he's ministering on the earth for 40 days, and then he ascends to heaven. And that is where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession, praying for you. How many is thankful Jesus is praying for you? And before he leaves, he's speaking to the disciples, and he's telling them, you're commissioned, you have a job, I'm sending you out. But you need something. You need power. Someone say, I need power. You need power to be a witness. That's what verse 8 is. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now notice that. We're going to look at this in just a little bit detail here. But notice the Holy Spirit coming upon you. At that point, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be a witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So this promise of the Father that Jesus said he spoke of, Acts 1-4, the promise of the Father, Jesus said, which he said, you have heard from me. It wasn't originally just said when Jesus said it. I want you to go with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Easy way to find these minor prophets is if you start with the major where you see Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then you just keep turning right. And the first minor prophet is Hosea, and then right after that is Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Or you could start at Matthew and work your way left. They're short books, and so they're usually just a page or two in your Bible. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. This is before the Lord Jesus Christ comes and ministers on the earth. We understand John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and all things were made by Him. So Christ, the Word that became flesh, John 1, 14, and dwelt among men, He's always been. He is God. He has no ending or beginning. He is God, Alpha and Omega, the author and finisher of our faith. But before he ministers on the earth and before specifically he talks of the promise of the Father, the ministry, uh, this promise of the Father has come forth in the ministry of the prophets. And one of those prophets is Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it says this, And it shall come to pass afterwards. Someone say afterwards. So something took place that made the promise of the Father able or available to you and me. It shall come to pass afterwards. Okay? We're going to see what the afterwards is. But what takes place afterwards? That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Oh, may my sons and daughters prophesy in Jesus' name. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now look out, I don't see anyone over the age of 32 here today. So none of y'all qualify for dreaming dreams. But when you get there in your older years, you'll be able to dream dreams. How many is dreaming dreams? Amen? And your young men shall see visions. Verse 29, And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit, notice, in those days. There's a promise being made, even before it's available, but that's how all promises work, isn't it? And you better make sure that if you make a promise, especially to children that have steel traps, some of you are nodding your heads, they remember it. They remember it. We're taking a little family trip in November. Naomi has reminded me every day, at least once, 
we're going on that trip, right? Tomorrow, right? No. And she, you know, it's kind of hard to understand tomorrow and three weeks in the mind of a child. And I said, what? You know, I just, you told me I was going. When are we going to this thing? You told me I was going. A promise has been made. A promise has been made. And the promise of the Father here we see is that the Spirit of God would fall on His people. Now, what's so beautiful about this, on all flesh. Now, what does that mean? Just anybody and everybody walking around is going to get the Spirit of God? No, it's on His sons and His daughters. It's on His men servants and His maidservants. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He's not a respecter of persons. Oh, if, if every person walking the planet didn't play favorites. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but rather He judges the heart of men and women, and He doesn't play favorites. And the Spirit of God is available to anybody. Man, woman, white, black, red, yellow. If they were pink people with purple polka dots, if they called on the name of Jesus, they could receive this promise of the Father. We'll pray for them that if they, you know, if they ate something that changed their complexion, that we'll pray for them as well. But they can receive the Holy Spirit on all flesh. It doesn't matter age. Young, old, we see daughters, sons, we see old men, young men. It doesn't matter the age. Turn with me to Isaiah 44. You're in Joel 2. Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, verse 3. Isaiah 44, verse, excuse me, yes, 44, verse 3. Isaiah 44, verse 3. In fact, just look at one verse above it, verse 2. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb. How, do you, how many knows that God creates people in the womb, in their mother's womb? That's why we believe in the sanctity of life. Because that precious life in the mother's womb, it is a life in itself. The Lord who made you, formed you from the womb, who will help you. How many is thankful that God helps you? Amen. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshreon, which is another name for Israel, whom I have chosen, verse 3, for I will pour water on him who's thirsty. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. There's a promise for the pouring out of water on who's thirsty. Well, let's keep reading. Floods on the dry ground. There's nothing better, especially when it comes to the conditions of farming and anybody that loves food, because if you love food, you better hope that the land's producing produce, vegetables, fruits. Even if you don't care too much for vegetables, if you're more of a, you know, a meat eater, everything you enjoy to consume that's meat, they you know, eat all the, all the what we might call the rabbit food, all the greens and everything that's good for you, right? And so there's nothing better for dry ground than a whole lot of rain. And there's nothing better for a dry and barren spirit than the water of God. I just noticed you were here, Sierra. It's good to see you. you're here. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So there's, a, there's an, a, an illustration being shown here. Just like... Water to a person that is thirsty and just like rain revitalizes and makes life come up out of the ground, so does the Spirit of God and the promise of the Father which has been promised and is being made promised in the mouth of Isaiah. Now we saw, we saw it in Joel, now Isaiah. is something is going to take place that brings life. And not just life in the sake of living, but power to produce. Power to produce fruit. Acts 1.8 tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes on a person, it gives them power to be a witness. How do you know that the ground has nutrients and water in it? Because the plant that's planted is growing, it's green and producing fruit. How do you know someone's connected to Jesus? Because that person is growing full of life and producing Christ-like fruit. And that's what the Spirit of God does. You're in 40, 44, turn to 32, Isaiah 32, 15. I want you to see how real this promise is to you. Isaiah 32, verse 15. Isaiah 32, verse 15.
Starting in verse 9 is giving some consequences for just being stagnant and complacent. But then you hit verse 15 and there's a change that takes place. Verse 15, until the Spirit, Holy Spirit, until the Holy Spirit is poured upon us from on high. So we see where the Spirit of God resides and where He comes from on high. The place called heaven. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. And the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Wherever the Holy Spirit is moving and operating, there's growth, there's life, there's expansion. Right there you see it. The wilderness becomes a fruitful field. The fruitful field counted a forest. Because the Spirit of God has been poured out from on high. There is a promise that has been made and it is available today of the pouring out of the Spirit on the believer what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you, it's, it's a really great story, but in the book of Numbers, you know, Numbers is, I just finished Joshua and working through Judges in my Bible reading. And, uh, of course, we're reading our Bible through cover to cover. Amen? If you hadn't started, go ahead and start, and you'll be done by next year, you know, or if you want to take a, a week off vacation and read your Bible, but get the Word of God in your heart because you're going to see and learn so much. If you love Jesus, you'll love His Word. And you'll want His Word in your heart. But I'm reading through Numbers, and Numbers is one of those tricky books because like one chapter is like, and the tribe of Benjamin had 372,000, and the tribe of Judah, and then the next thing you see a powerful display of faith. You know, like with what we're talking about with the children of Israel going to the promised land. And then the next chapter, and they had 14 pounds of barley. You know, and so it's a little bit tough to get through. But in Numbers 11:29, Moses says this, Then Moses said to Joshua, Are you zealous? For my sake? Are you getting all worked up, Joshua, for, because of me? Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. Why did Moses say that? Moses is anointing 70 elders with the Spirit that's on him. He's laying hands on those 70 elders so that they can be judges and rightly discern what's right and what's wrong for the nation of Israel and they need the Spirit of God. People that are elected and appointed in city, state, and federal positions need the Spirit of God. And when there's an absence of the Spirit of God, there's destruction in the land. We can talk about voting this, voting that. Until we get some people full of the Spirit of God, nothing's going to change. Well, you need to keep your religion out of politics. That's the problem. It is so foolish to, uh, uh, to have an idea that I can have faith over here and it doesn't permeate every area of my life. Uh, keeping, well, you know, that's like saying, you need to keep religion out of your home, out of this. Like as if religion is just this add-on to my life. My faith in Jesus is the foundation of my entire life and everything that I live and do and breathe, I have my being in Him. And what... Moses is saying here, when he begins to anoint these elders, two of them didn't make it out in time for him to do this anointing impartation service, we might call it nowadays. And they still got the Spirit of God. And when Joshua sees them, they're prophesying. Notice, the Spirit of God came on them and it could be seen and heard. They're prophesying. And Joshua said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Because he's very, very loyal to Moses. And that's a good thing. Because when everything took transition, Joshua was promoted. And it's no accident that Joshua was there serving Moses, his entire ministry. Wherever Moses is at, Joshua's somewhere. He's somewhere real close. And so by default, when Moses, he has to pass the baton of leadership, Joshua, who's right there the whole time, he's promoted. And, he, and he's telling Moses, look, there's two guys and they're prophesying. But you're the only one that supposed to prophesy around here, at least I thought. And Moses said, don't worry about it. I don't just want these guys to prophesy. I wish the whole nation of Israel would have the Spirit of God fall on them and prophesy. And how, what does prophesy mean? It is because that's kind of a churchy word that you don't use a whole lot in your normal day-to-day life. But we can say it, and we can say it with the right unction, and it'll make us feel good. Prophesy. <laughs> and there's, yeah, prophesy, man. Yeah. But what does that mean? It is to surrender your tongue to the Spirit of God to where you speak what God would say. Oh, what a privilege. 
What, it's different than the ministry of tongues and then an interpretation because there is a glossia, Greek, there is a tongue of heaven. You ever thought about that? What language does God speak in heaven? I mean, I just assumed that he would speak my southern dialect of English. But that would be very, uh, might we say, closed-minded. When God is speaking to the angels, what language does he use? Heaven's a kingdom. Do you know that when a, king, when a kingdom colonizes another area of the world, you can look through history, different, you know, different empires that would colonize, and it's kind of funny, they would show up and say, we discovered this land, and everyone that's living there is like, you discovered what? We've kind of been here for a while. But they bring all their culture, they bring their language, they bring their flag. That's why you can go, um, Dr. Miles Monroe who's now, he's inherited glory, he's in heaven, and 2014 went to heaven. But prior to that, he would talk about the power of the kingdom and the kingdom revelation. And he would say, why we Bohemians drink tea is because the British colonized the Bahamas. That's why we drink tea and not coffee. Because a kingdom brings its way of life to wherever the kingdom is set up. And it's the same way with language. That's why... No offense to anyone, I got some good Indian friends. But that's why people from the, the country of India, many of them can speak English because they were colonized by the British Empire. That's why oftentimes you get a call from them about your extended car warranty. Because they, they, and no offense, they, I mean, they're hustling. They make thousands of calls a day. But that, they can speak that language. So the language of heaven. What is the language of heaven? Interest. And so Moses said, I would like the, the whole people, everybody, that the Spirit of God would come on. Now that's the Old Testament. Turn with me to John 14. John 14, verse 16. John 14, verse 16. Starting at John 13 to John 17, this is all one conversation that's taking place the night before Jesus is taken away to die on the cross for our sins. And so John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17 is one conversation. I like to remember those types of things because maybe your reading plan, you might read 12, 13, 14. Then the next day you pick up at 15, 16. The next day, 17, 18. But chapters 13 through 17, it's all taking place in one evening. It's, a, it's Jesus sharing his heart and delivering the truth to his disciples, preparing them because he's about to go back to heaven. So what does he say in John 14, verse 16? Now think about it. You've only got a few hours left before... He only has a few hours left before he goes to the cross. And he only has weeks before he ascends to heaven. He knows this. So you're not just going to sit around and just, well, you know, we had pretty good weather today, didn't we? Yeah, did you see that game in Jerusalem? The Jerusalem Lions went against the, the Judean Bears. Do you see who won? Yeah, I love the Jerusalem Lions. You know, they're not going to really talk about those types of things because there's a limited amount of time. Verse 16, Jesus is speaking and he's saying, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Okay, now we see something. There is a certain group of folks that are eligible to receive the spirit of truth because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he'll be in you. So Jesus is saying there in John 14, I'm going to pray to the Father. Why would he pray to the Father? Because the Father made a promise in Joel 2 and Isaiah 44, Isaiah 32, through the Mo Moses the prophet, Numbers 11. God made a promise. The whole point of redemption is to get you back to the place that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Before sin entered the earth. That's the whole point of redemption is to get you back to relationship where you're walking side by side with God. And so there has to be something that takes place. And he's saying, the Father, I'm praying to the Father that he's going to send a helper. Now, when the disciples hear this, they're, they're, they're upset. They're sad. They're thinking, we, we live with Jesus. We minister with Jesus. 
We walk with Jesus, and now He's going to leave us. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to send someone else that's going to help, comfort, lead, guide, instruct, and then give you the spirit of truth. It is someone, notice this, verse 17. It is someone, the spirit of truth, He is someone you can know. The world doesn't know Him. Do you see that? But you know Him, and He dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Though we see in John 3, when He comes and He comes on Jesus, when He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is in the appearance of a dove, in the likeness, but He's not a bird. If, you, if, if you're walking around and you, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, dove feathers around, you need to check your attic. You see, wait. You know, is, is, there, is there a bird here around molting? No, the Holy Spirit, He is God. And He's someone you can know. You can talk to Him. And He can talk to you. He's God. He leads you. He guides you and instructs you. And in Isaiah, Isaiah 30, it says that there will be a voice that comes from behind and say, go in, go in this way. Turn left, turn right. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding and directing. Look, you're in John 14. Drop down to John 15. We're going to hit a few places in 15 and 16. 15, John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, so He hasn't came yet, but He will. He's not come yet in this form and fashion of the promise of the Father. The Spirit of God was on the earth when it was in a chaotic state in Genesis 1-2 hovering over the earth to bring about life when the word would be spoken. But in the form of the promise of the Father, baptizing power has not yet been made available. But when the Helper comes, when I shall send to you, where is He coming from? The Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He'll testify of me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to witness, to testify that Jesus is Lord and He's alive. That's the whole purpose of this baptizing power of the Holy Ghost. It's Acts 1-8, that you'll be witnesses in the earth. It's so that the power of God that was, we'll see in just a second, on Jesus is now on you to minister and to witness to the earth that there is a Lord and Savior, His name is Jesus, and He's alive. John 16, 13. One chapter over and we'll be finished with John. John 16, 13. Look at this. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He'll guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, I love this. All things that the Father has, Jesus is saying, they're mine. Therefore, I said that He, the Holy Ghost, will take of mine and declare it to you. Show me where there's a less relationship intended for the believer than with Jesus and the Father. For God's prescription, Jesus' instruction, He had no intention for you to live a lesser life than He with the Father. And it comes by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, indwelling in you and baptizing you with His power. Now, I mentioned to you, I just want to read this to you. I mentioned that Jesus led by example. If you were to go to Matthew 3.13, it would say this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, John the Baptist. Verse 14, and John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? John's a smart man. That's why he was the greatest of all the prophets. Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, the prophets, under the unction of the Spirit of God, in the Old Testament, they said this would take place, therefore the word of the Lord has to be fulfilled. Then he allowed them. John said, okay, I can do that. I can obey the word of God. I'm I'm, I'm doing pretty good at that. Verse 16, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. 
Verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If you were to go to the counterpart John's gospel, John 3.34, it says this, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Spirit of God baptized Jesus with power. We see this in Acts 10.38. Turn with me to Acts 10.38. You need to see this. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. You say, well, Jesus is God. He sure is. But in Philippians 2, it tells us that he surrendered his likeness of God, of who he was as God, and became or came in the form and the likeness of man as a humble servant, walking on this earth as a man. So if he's going to walk on the earth, get this, if Jesus is going to walk on the earth like a man, but fulfill the word of God, he had to have the power of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus is going to walk on the earth as a man, he's still completely God, but in himself saying as God, I'm going to become like a man and be submitted to this form of flesh, if I'm going to walk as a man on the earth, I need the power of the Holy Spirit or I won't be able to fulfill the word of the Father. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus led by example. The promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, has been made available to anyone that would put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus led by example. He would be the first one to be baptized in the power of this Holy Spirit. To the point where then Jesus says to the disciples in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Wait in Jerusalem until you're endued, clothed with power from on high until you're clothed from power or on high. Now, you might say, well, now, AJ, if I, if I put my faith in Jesus, does not the Holy Spirit indwell in me? To which I would say, absolutely. The Holy Spirit indwells in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. In fact, turn with me to John chapter 20. I want you to see this. John chapter 20. Verse 21. Jesus said to them again, speaking to the disciples, Peace to you, as my Father has sent me, I also send you. Well, we just saw Jesus was sent forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38. Verse 22 of John 20. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not the smartest man on the planet by any stretch of the imagination, but I do know that if I look at my table of contents, that the book of Acts is after the book of John. And I do know that Jesus is speaking here in John, receive the Holy Spirit. And then later in the book of Acts, the disciples, not just 12, 120, are found in the upper room. In fact, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They have received the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God because it is the Holy Spirit that regenerates or makes the Spirit alive. That at the point of salvation, the Spirit of God makes that dead spirit come to life. But something else took place. They're saved. The blood of Jesus has been shed. The resurrection and the power of it has been released into the earth. And he blows on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But in Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost is just a harvest festival. It's, the, it's 50 days after Passover. Passover is when Jesus goes to the cross. 50 days later, this Jewish celebration, a harvest festival, the day of Pentecost, it comes. And when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. These 120 believers, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received the Holy Spirit in the infilling work of the Holy Spirit and ministry of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation in John 20. But then there was a subsequent, not a lesser, but something that took place after, which was the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit where the fire of God sat on them and it changed them and empowered them to where this heavenly language begins to speak through their mouth. I'm not big on illustrations. I'm not that great at them. But let's say you're this cup filled with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized means to be submerged. Baptized. Filled, the inward working of the Holy Spirit, baptized, saturated, covered, empowered. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for a select few or, well, you know, those people like to jump and shout and get a little crazy. I guess that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God to witness Christ in the earth. For me to believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is no longer available today, I would have to believe that the devil hasn't changed, mankind hasn't changed, the needs of man have not changed, but God has changed. Because I don't see anywhere in Scripture, and then looking in my earth, it is still a world dead in sin, in the darkness, swaying under the light of the darkness of the evil one, and there needs to be power to deliver and set people free. Why would God draw back His power in the earth if the power of Satan that binds up people is still in the earth? Why would He do it? For what purpose? He, absolutely He wouldn't do it. Now, you're in Acts 2. You might think, well, who qualifies to receive this promise? Look at verse 38 as we finish up here today. Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That is that's salvation. Being baptized into Christ, it's Romans chapter 5 and 6, it's dying with Christ by faith, being resurrected with Christ. There's three baptisms the believer can experience. Baptism into Christ, which is salvation. Water baptism, which is an outward sign that I've committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And baptism of the Holy Spirit, being submerged and covered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice this, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And what happens after that? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, to all, all who are afar off, that's Jew and Gentile, as many as the Lord our God would call. So who qualifies for this promise? Those that repent. Those that repent. You're in Acts 2. Look at Acts 5.32. Acts chapter 5, verse 32. A few pages over. Or a scroll or so away. Verse 32, and we are His witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Who qualifies for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Those who obey. Those who repent. Those who obey. Acts 10, 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Peter's ministering to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile. But he's a man that fears God. He's searching. He's longing for the things of God. An angel of the Lord comes to him. Does not preach the gospel to him. Angels don't preach the gospel. Men, women, you, me, we have the privilege of telling people about Christ. He tells, you go get Peter. Peter will tell you what you, what you need to do. Peter comes. He's preaching. And then verse 44, what happens? When Peter was still speaking with these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Verse 45, those of circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now notice verse 47, 
Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? So it's a different. There's two baptisms here. The Holy Spirit and of water. They did the water after the Holy Spirit of those baptisms in that order. So who, who qualifies for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Those who hear the word. Verse 44, as they heard the word. You know, that's the beautiful thing about being in church. Because the Word of God is anointed and the Holy Spirit moves upon the Word. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit of God is hovering over the earth. Verse 3, beginning of that first day. Then God said, at the point that the Word of God was spoken, the Holy Spirit was there and brings about the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit, He's the executive of the kingdom, if you might say. He is the one who ministers the power and brings about, executes the Word of God into one's life. That's the miracle-working power of God. That's how it flows in your life. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. And it's those that heard the Word. Now, I want to finish here in John 7. Turn with me, John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. How do you receive this promise of the Father? You might say, well, bless the Lord, I received this promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit some odd years ago. Well, I would say to you what Paul said to Timothy, stir up that gift that you received at the laying on of hands. Ephesians 5.18 says to be filled. Don't be drunk with wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Literally, that means Keep being filled, continually being filled. Because just like this cup is baptized in water, if we pull it out, it ain't baptized no more. Continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually being filled. Continually being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse 37 says this, John 7, 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. How do you receive the Spirit of God? First, you've got to be thirsty. Someone say thirsty. We shared this at Men's Bible Study yesterday. You've got to be thirsty. Look at that. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, desire, eager, you've got to want it. You gotta want, that's anything with God. You've got to desire and want. And you've got to come to a place, Lord, if Jesus shed his blood that I might have it, I want it. If it's yours, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's going to make it manifest to me, I want it. If it's something that you've stored up for me, I want it. How many wants more of God? How many wants more and more? How many has realized you ain't arrived yet? And you realize there's more and more of the love and the power of God and relationship that you can have. You've got to be thirsty. He didn't say, I'm going to come track you down. Open up your mouth and drink. You've got to be thirsty. When you're thirsty, you start looking for something to drink. I don't know why, but my daughter, for whatever reason, whatever I'm drinking or what Laura's drinking is ten times better than whatever is in her cup. It doesn't matter what's in our cup. It could be good stuff, juice or something. We got plain Jane water. It don't matter. It's better because it's ours, right? But she's thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. When you're thirsty, you start looking. You start searching. You desire. You want. You can't be apathetic about the things of God and receive from God. Well, I just just wish the Lord would do something in my life. Do you want it? What is the cost you're willing to pay? Oh, Jesus paid it all, brother. He did, and he said, come, follow after me. Take up your cross and follow after me. Know me in the fellowship of suffering and in the power of his resurrection. You've got to be thirsty. What happens after thirsty? Let him come to me. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He, the promise comes from the Father, but Jesus is the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit with power. Jesus, John the Baptist testified, said, I'm just putting people in water for repentance. But there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off. He's going to baptize in the Holy Ghost and with fire. You have to come to Christ. It's a promise made to the children. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says that if fathers in the earth can be evil and still give to their sons and daughters what they ask of, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask of Him? You have to come to Christ. Number three, you've got to drink. Somebody say drink. You've got to drink. Verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's wholehearted reception of the things of God. 
That's getting to a point saying, you know what, Lord, I may not understand it all, but I just believe if you promised it, I need it and I want it. If, if you promised it, if it's in your word, I need it, I want it. Well, we don't see it taking place in different people's lives. Just because people aren't getting saved doesn't mean salvation's over with. Just because you might not see it taking place in my life or anyone else's life, theoretically speaking, I believe it's taking place in all our lives right now in Jesus' name. But just because you might not see it taking place at the moment, it doesn't mean that God's changed because there's an element of humanity that has to receive from God. You ever been given some good advice? I mean real good advice. You should have been charging and you was given good advice to someone and it went in this ear, hopped over their brain and went out the other. You gave it, they didn't receive it. Last point, verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, it's one thing to be like a cup that gets filled with water, but over time, it's pouring itself out. And, the, and what's in the cup is lessening, right? It's another to be a cup under the spigot, and the spigot's on. It's filling up the cup. It's flowing over and falling all over the sides. It's one thing to be a pond that has no inlet of water. It's another to have a fresh source of water that's constantly flowing into it. And when by faith you receive the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit, what takes place? There's a river of living water on the inside of you and is flowing out. It empowers you to be a witness of Christ Jesus. And you might think, well, what about this tongues thing? Again, what's the, what's the language of heaven? Jude, chapter, Jude 1, verse 20 says to pray in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean just to pray with gusto. Pray with a little oomph, have a ha, after each time you pray, ha, glory, ha. That's not praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is a language of heaven. Praying through you. Oh, what a privilege. It's, 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 it is 1 Corinthians 12. No, it's not. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It's the Holy Spirit that is groaning through you. If the Holy Spirit, if God himself's writing the prayer, how's it going to be a bad prayer? Well, my ears don't understand it. I have people talk to me in English, and I don't understand what they're saying. Let alone the language of heaven. But there are, we've seen it here in this house. And it doesn't just have to be here. You can go to different, I've been to all different types of services where the Spirit of God will speak through a person in a heavenly language and then it is interpreted by the self-same Spirit. Self-same Spirit. I had some friends visit one time and uh, they were visiting from their place. They, they, they'd never been in a service where that took place. And they said, it kind of scared me. And I said, brother, you need to be scared. As I was a good friend to him, I said, it don't hurt you to be a little scared. Why? You know, it's, it, every time the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes place, there is a healthy fear of God. Because you realize this isn't just hooping and hollering. This isn't just fast music. This is a, a denominational dividing line. Do you know that God don't care what denomination you're in if you have faith? I wouldn't be in one that turns away from the things of God. But God really doesn't, he doesn't check your name badge to see, are you on the right team? Do you have faith? Do you want the promise of the Father? If you would, stand up on your feet with me right now in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you, Lord. It's this simple, Father. We want more of you, Father God. We thank you for the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that when we reach out by faith, Lord, it's not a hard thing. It's not a thing that we have to wait for a long time. That first time those disciples waited maybe at 10 days at the most for the fulfilling of the prophecies of the prophets. But now is the time of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and we're thankful for it, God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, not just once. It's not a one-time event we're looking for, Lord. We're looking for a relationship of power that you flow through us, Lord, because we can see in a dead and dark and dying world, Lord God, there has to be some power 
power that looses the captive and sets the slave of sin free, Lord God. We need that power, Lord God. We need it for our marriages. We need it for our children and our families, Lord. We need it for this church. We need it for this community, Lord God, because you want to see people set free and delivered. And it comes by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Even as Jesus, our Lord and Master, He set the example, was anointed of by the Holy Spirit with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with them. Let it be said of us that God is with us. Let the way we speak and the way we talk and the way we act and the fruit of that power that baptizes us be the same thing that would cause people to say, God is with them in Jesus' name. If that's your desire and you're here today, and you know what I say? I, I need power, AJ. I need that power from heaven. I need that power that can cause me, empower me to walk like Jesus. Because the walk I'm walking right now ain't very good. The very first step is you must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here today, it's not by accident. If you are here today, it is by the power and the love of God. And he's saying to you, if you will come unto me, all who are thirsty and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. If you'll come to Christ Jesus, the Bible says that God so loved you, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Why was that necessary? Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of Christ Jesus, it's eternal life. How do you receive that eternal life? How do you have your sins washed away? By the blood of Christ, the Bible tells us that when you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, confessing Him, Lord, you'll be saved. If you're here today and you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, you've never made that decision by faith to make Jesus Lord of your life. He's already Lord, but the question is, is He Lord of your life? If you've never made that decision or at some point in time, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if at some point in time... You made that decision, but you've walked away. And you know you're not right with God. If you want to get right with God today and know that there is a real hell that every single one of us are deserving of, but there's a real heaven and there's real salvation and our names can be written down in the Lamb's book of life and we can have eternal life, that every old, shameful, sinful thing is washed by the blood and we're made brand new. If you're here and you say, I need that freedom, I need that salvation, would you raise your hand right now in Jesus' name? If you want to make that prayer, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, in Jesus' name. Well, the Bible tells us that if you will proclaim Christ before men, Jesus in heaven will proclaim you, make you known before the Father. If you raise your hand, I want you to be real bold and come down right now. And come down. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. If you raised your hand, come on down. Use that boldness and come on down. I want to pray with you so that you can pray the prayer of salvation. If you raise your hand, come quickly. Come quickly. The Lord loves you. He cares for you. Would you give a hand clap to these precious people? They're putting their faith in Jesus. They're putting their faith in Jesus. Yeah, come right here. Absolutely. Stand right here. Yes, absolutely. One last chance. Face me. You can face me. One last chance. If you raised your hand, now's the time. Come on, in Jesus' name, be real bold, in Jesus' name. Wow. All three of y'all praying this prayer of salvation? Amen. Oh, something miraculous is about to take place. You're going to be changed from the inside out. Brand new life. The Bible tells us that when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, every old, shameful, sinful thing, all of us have done those things. Those things that when you lay your head down at night on the pillow and it's just you and yourself, you're like, oh, God, I don't want to ever think of those things again. I'm going to wash you clean. He's going to make you brand new set you free and give you life. I want to pray with you, not because I don't think you know how to pray, but I want us to pray together. So if you would, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on my cross for my sins. He was buried in my grave. He died my death so that I could have his life I confess Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I thank you, Lord. You wash me clean. You make me brand new. And you fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, baptize these precious people, your son and your daughters, in Jesus' name, with the power of the Holy Spirit, 
Let their life going forward be nothing but miraculous and filled with your faith. Lord, may every step that they step, Lord, be on the path of righteousness. Fill their lives with peace and joy as only you can do, which we know you'll do it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you. What's your name? Jack. Jack. Thankful for you, Jack. What's your name? Peyton. Peyton. Thankful for you, Peyton. Your name? Bella. Bella. Oh, thankful for you guys. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raise your hand to heaven and pray this prayer. Say, Father, I want the promise of the Father. Not one event, but a life baptized with power. Speak through my mouth. Let your language pray through me. Lead my feet. Anoint my hands. Let me do the works of Christ so that people can see Christ in me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.